What should I say this week's genre is? Talking about... Globalisation? Nah. Uh, I'll, yeah, could do globalisation. Football is a global game. Foot Global uh. game, yeah. There you go. That's a nice Leave the comments to me. Punchy. Yeah. You're listening to Footy Flicks on Radio Thamesmead, the show where three boys who know nothing about film and even less about football review some of the most well-known flicks made about the beautiful game. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the second episode of Footy Flicks, coming live and direct from Radio Thamesmead as usual. Today we're going to be talking about some films from the global side of the game. With me I've got, as usual, Carlos and Joe. Say hello boys. How you doing? I'm not too bad. How you doing Joe? Where are we? Michael and your cousins. <laughs> Today we're talking about uh, Bend It Like Beckham, made in 2002, directed by Gurinda Chadha, and Shaolin Soccer, made the year before, directed by Stephen Chow. Now I reckon it would be a good idea for us to give a little rundown of the plot before we get going. So, uh, Joe, how about you give a little rundown of Bend It Like Beckham? Alright, so Bend It Like Beckham follows the life of Jess Bamra, the daughter of Orthodox Sikhs, who rebels against her parents' traditionalism and joins a football team. Sounds about it. There's also a little uh, kind of love affair going on in the background, um, which kind of adds to the rebellion because the male coach of the female side and Jess struck up a kind of a romance throughout the film. But yeah, I think that pretty much covers the basic points. And the other film was Shaolin Soccer. Carlos, let's give us a little uh, little plot synopsis of that. Shaolin Soccer is set in Hong Kong and it's about the interaction of an old Shaolin style Kung Fu and modern life through the lens of football. All right, yeah, that seems to have um, captured what Shaolin Soccer is all about. In terms of this week being about the global game, I think it's probably best that we st- kick this off by having a little chat about what that actually means and the way that the world has seen football through a different lens than us three boys in Britain. So what do we know about football and its and its place in the rest of the world? So we know that or England specifically was the home of football. We started it all off and then through our global history we exported it to places like Africa and South America and throughout history Europe, Africa and South America have always been the strongest representatives of the game. In 1992 the Premier League was founded and that was at a time when global politics was about globalisation and bigger financial markets across borders and China and India were seen to be pretty untapped in this sense The Premier League realised that there was money to be made, shirts to sell, games to sell on TV, and that's how the game started getting spread out over there. And we can see that today with Indonesia having the highest average Premier League audience of any country in the world, which is a pretty crazy stat. Yeah, I didn't know that. China and India both have huge populations, but the game has never really been that culturally strong over there. India's massive for cricket, and China's just never really been that into football. China has a population of 1.38 billion and India, not far behind, has one of 1.33 billion. So in terms of a global market, these places are brilliant for football to try and tap into. In China, in recent years, the game has definitely been tried to be expanded. The president himself, Xi, sees becoming a big football nation as part of their rise in global status and power. and he's made it part of the national curriculum for kids to learn football and he's announced plans to create 50,000 new youth academies by 2025 we've seen huge transfers from the Premier League most notably like Oscar have you guys thought of any more like 
Um, I remember Arsenal were always linked with Jackson Martinez, and then he ended up there, so that was a bit of a weird one. And Hulky, yes, Hulky, Hulky ended up there. Who else? Paulinho went there for a bit, and now yep. he's come back. He's kind of the only player that's made the transition of going over there, and then it not just well seemingly ending their career in like the European game. It's remarkable how some players who were seemingly at the top of their game in Europe go there and are completely forgotten about, namely Ezekiel Levetsi. Wow, oh, forgot about Levetsi. Completely disappeared. Yeah. I heard a really interesting answer on this question about yeah. players from South America and Africa who have been the ones who have gone over to China. And as English fans, we've got that kind of one club DNA imprinted in us and we would never go at the top of our game to a place where you're not going to be on the TV. But you've got to remember the stark poverty that they grew up in and the chance to make that money probably matters more to them than representing mm. Chelsea till they die. And it's important to add that the the money we're talking about is absolutely monumental. Astronomical. I mean, apparently the reason that Ronaldo was like agitating for his move but when he went to Juventus is because he found out that he was... I mean, it's such a Ronaldo thing, but he found out that he wasn't in like the top five best played players in the world, and it was like Messi was up there, and then all the others were playing in like the Chinese leagues, and they're being paid more than arguably like the best footballer of all time. Wow. And they're making so much money, like no tax. It's it is monumental, and as you were saying, then it seems like these parts of the world see it as kind of the next frontier of like soft power. So like America kind of had Hollywood and its films as its way of kind of ruling the world. And now China sees that having a booming footballing industry can be another way, <clears throat> excuse me, to get on that. And yeah, so the presidents actually said that there has to be at least an hour of football in the national curriculum every week. So I imagine, um, although it may seem like a bit of a, a bit of a far-fetched dream now, I imagine in the years to come, China are going to be a real real power in football yeah surely it's just a matter of time based on their pure number of citizens in these countries like India and China that they're going to be like really punching above their weight mm. now in on the global scene same with same with the US yeah yeah. Well, the US is, is getting there now I'd yeah, say the, I heard something that was I should really know this one correct but it's something like um, the MLS is the third most like actual in terms of attendance at the games the third biggest attended league in the world I've got a feeling it goes the Premier League then the Championship and then the MLS but although it may now go Premier League Bundesliga and then the MLS but they're somewhere when you don't really think about it it's one of Europe's well one of the world's big leagues but they're really bang into it yeah. Um, but yeah so that's uh, obviously China's relating to Shaolin soccer but in terms of India well what I was going to say linking back to the films was both of these places have this potential and are making strides, but historically and culturally, football hasn't really been that big of a deal. Mm. And even though in India we do have a large, in India, sorry, even though in England we do have a large Indian population and South Asian population, we've never really seen any players from Indian heritage playing for the big clubs or playing for the national team like we have with players from African descendants or Caribbean. Um, but yeah that's where these films come into it because these films start trying to show how the game has started to branch out in these routes so with Bend It Like Beckham you've got a young Indian girl young British Indian girl and uh, Shaolin Soccer is showing football in China 
in Hong Kong for the first time, really. Well, the extent to which Shaolin Soccer is really showing football is something that we can get onto. <laughs> we can get onto later on. But let's kick things off. We've had a little pull up run through, so let's chat about Bend It Like Beckham. I think that Bend It Like Beckham is in like the top ten films to have ever come out of this country. I think it's phenomenally good. It hits every single thing that you'd want from a kind of feel-good film that actually also has such like cultural analysis and the breaking down of like cultural taboos, the breaking down of stereotypes, the breaking down of social norms, every part of it, it just addresses all of those things. You've got way ahead of its time, you've got um, a young Indian boy who's scared about confessing to like his community that he's gay, um, which is something that was really, I just, I, just, I, just, I loved him as a character, I loved the way they developed through the film. You've got obviously the the main character um, not wanting to follow the traditional path, not wanting to kind of be viewed as the wife of someone, which is what her family seemed very keen on her being. And also just the fact that she's kind of running around doing what her family sees like a traditional white, not for us sport. And then my favorite character in the whole thing is Jess's dad. Starts off as being like the mouthpiece of like traditional Sikh beliefs and ends up like coming out with the, these stories about how when he first came to the country he wasn't allowed to play cricket with the rest of the kind of younger English boys and how much it hurt him and he doesn't know it, then he doesn't want to see his daughter go through the same thing and then he gets one over and this oh, I just I adored him and what he his role in the film I loved I loved all of it I loved all of it what do you reckon my thoughts about this film changed after watching it for the first time so my initial thoughts were that I really wanted to like it. I could see what they were t trying to tap into, but essentially I thought it was a really kind of over-the-top representation of um, especially the Indian culture. Mm. I really saw parallels between my big fat Greek wedding. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's the same kind of exploration into, or like for many people it would be an initial look into when well, in that film Greek culture but this one's obviously looking into Indian culture and not only has it aged a bit but I found it really really over the top and quite annoying at times um, this was my big fat Greek wedding oh okay I did have some of the same feelings to the, towards this film but not to the same extent I thought the plot was quite predictable and boring but after mulling over it I soon came to realise that I think I got the wrong end of the stick with this film I thought that the main purpose was this quite hard hitting message about the clash of cultures which is a very common issue for so many people in this country being such a culturally diverse place but I soon came to realise that the entertainment value and the kind of light-hearted nature of this film which dips into these issues and yet doesn't explore them in any real depth that is the main purpose the light-hearted entertainment with the undertones of seriousness so that's how my thought process changed about this film right. so you've been on that little journey with it uh, what what would you say about this film if someone had to give you like a one word brutal response my opinions of it have changed I'd say it's light 
and it explores several really important issues. Sorry, this isn't one word. <laughs> it explores several really important issues and highlights them really well. I've also realised that it being released in 2002, you have to admire it for being so far ahead of its time. It seems mad to think it's how long ago 2002 I know, was I know. It is you think really, you imagine 2002 really was like a little while ago, but it was years ago. Yeah, so I have to applaud it for that. And you have to think about the context. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm, from the seeing of it, you're a little less positive than I am. Um, and Carlos, what, do you, what did you make of it? Yeah, Lewis, I'm going to have to echo you, really. Obviously, it's a film with a specific audience, and I'm not going to be out and about telling everyone I meet they've got to go and watch Bend It Like Beckham now. But in terms of its aims, its time, its audience, I just can't fault it at all. It was just so on point. It's a teen film, basically, that it wants to expose people to other cultures, ideas about sexualities, pushing people out of their boundaries. And I think it just did that perfectly well, remained entertaining. And its use of football as well was one of the things I absolutely loved. I've realised we're doing footy flicks because we're all football fans, but I'm such a sucker for football on film. And it starts out with John Motson yes. commentary Real Man United footage. Real Man United footage. It's got John Motson. <laughs> it's like the players we've grown up watching, and the editing of Jess Bamarin was unbelievable. And I think that just set it off on the perfect tone. This is a film that is connected to football. It's deeply authentic. And I think just to like wrap up my review, if we go back to what we spoke about, Football Factory versus Green Street last week for me it all came back to authenticity and this film was just deeply authentic um the director was born in kenya and is from an indian family she was raised in the uk and just finally it's interesting that you picked up on her dad because i really liked him as well and the film was actually dedicated to the director's dad so i i think that it was very much modeled on his experience of coming to england i'm sure the cricket story was probably a real story and it really shines through in the role that the dad plays. You can tell he was like a positive figure in the director's life. And yeah, I just, I just love this film. Um, nice little bit of uh, intel then on the director's family as well. Got to hold your hands up to that. Yeah, I thought that in terms of kind of the, the, kind of the way that the world is now and increasingly the way that England can be now, I thought it was just a lovely kind of reminder of what can make a multicultural society so brilliant everyone can come in with your own individual cultures and practices and it adds to what a society is it doesn't at all detract from it and just on a real my own personal favorite little moment of the whole film was the last scene where the running theme has been that the dad was bullied away from playing cricket by the kind of young english boys and has vowed to never do it again which is why he wants jess to know how to do that as well then the last scene he's out with the coach playing cricket in the green in front of their house and it's just one of the oh you know it honestly nearly brought a tear to my eye and the coach it. is irish as well so they brought that aspect into it as well and what makes it so special as well is that a running theme is the tension between the coach and the dad of any two characters in the film they have the most animosity mm. and the coach goes several times to speak to the family at their house both times he's sent away after being shouted down by the dad and to see that transformation in their relationship at the end 
is what makes it so heartwarming, as Lewis said. Yeah, I think touching back on the multiculturalism issue, one of my favourite, favourite shots in the whole film was when they've got the wedding celebration. So it's the Indian family's traditional wedding celebrations and they've brought all of the colour and the, the sound and the food of their culture and they're playing it out in a garden in a suburb in Hounslow. Mm. And they do this aerial shot looking down on the wedding on one in one garden of like the terraced houses. And then in the next garden, you've got an older white lady who's hanging her washing up and just doing those mundane tasks. I just love that shot because it was like, that's what multiculturalism is. It's an otherwise quiet road and they're bringing their like, culture and just really livening things up and they're existing next door to each other. And that's not something that they've just created for the purposes of this film. That's something that I can look out of my window in the mo- like every day and see the same kind of thing happening. Mm. It's not there And the fact that for... just in terms of things that obviously other people from London, I just love being able to kind of agree with. The fact that they just picked Hounslow as the place and the fact that they were kind of interlinked with working at Heathrow and just everything about the film was so clearly researched down to a T. And Hounslow, Hounslow is an area where loads of Indians have come to kind of start their lives in in London. And I just, I just love it when films are really bang on what mm. kind of they've done their homework. One character who is further evidence of the research they've put in is the sister, who was kind of my favourite character, I think. Really? I think she... I mean, I know she was very minor, but I found myself chuckling at her almost every time she opened her mouth because you see people like Jesse's sister on a daily basis. And I just thought some of the things she she came out with were really funny there was the the scenes in the beginning about one of the other girls having the same colour dress as her and I just found her I just found her she was lovable her, her character really kind of made me chuckle I remember reading a while ago that there's a famous test that films have to go through well not films have to go through to be honest films should have to go through but it's kind of a post-creation test and that's the depressingly small amount of films for whom there's a scene where two women are talking to each other and it's not about men. And going back to last week's episode where there was such a lack of female characters and a lack of that side of the film entirely, I thought it was obviously better like Beckham, you know from the get-go that's not going to be the case. But I just wanted to discuss, did this film pass the test of two women speaking to each other and it has nothing to do with a man? Because I'm fairly sure it did, uh, but... Yeah, do we think it did? Uh, what springs to mind is the scenes when the mum's teaching her how to make traditional Indian food. Mm. And I think they're more talking about being able to cook and not play football. But saying that now, I think a lot of that was in preparation for her to meet and be a good wife, yeah, meet her husband and be a good wife. But also thinking about that, that could show what the director was trying to portray about how marriage and being a good wife is a very traditional part of those cultures and coming to England kind of living in a society that doesn't mix with that I don't know it was quite interesting that that battle that Jess was going through yeah it was um so have we got any uh, I mean we, we clearly all love it and I hate to do this but have we got I mean last week the entire films were negatives have we got any things that we didn't, that kind of grated with us about this? I'll tell you one thing I thought. Uh, as I said at the start of my review, I first watched it as a really young, immature boy. And then now watching it as a probably too mature, old 23-year-old man, 
on the old side of a 23. Questionable. <laughs> um, I really loved it because I could see what it was doing and I was thinking I'd love to show my kids this film when they hit a certain age. But because it's been so long since I was like 15, Jess is actually 18 in the film. And I don't know what ages would really, really appreciate this film. So I think from the age of like 12 to 18, is a 16-year-old really going to sit down and watch this film? I think that the lower limit for watching this film is probably 18 and above. Really? I disagree. I think that this is... But to really appreciate it in the way that we're appreciating it, I think that if you were to watch it if you were any younger... Yeah, that's what I was saying. ...then you might not be able to fully grasp what they're trying to do. And I think you're maybe at risk of, maybe this is me just exposing my maybe mental age when I didn't like it in the first place. But <laughs> yeah, same. You might not be able to fully grasp the issues and what it's trying to touch on. And you might just think it's a bit cheesy mm. and a bit over the top. I Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I think that there's a lot of, well, I think that some of the best pieces of art are things that you can go through, go back to throughout your life and pick up on stuff that you previously hadn't picked up on. And I don't think that this film should be put down for the fact that there are parts in it that you can only get when you're more mature, if you know what I mean. I think that should be, I think surely every film should be aiming for having stuff that you should have to be more mature to kind of take on board. But I also think that if you were young and to watch it, it would it could just on the face of it paint a nice picture of multicultural Britain. I think, I hear what you're saying, but what I was trying to say before I started waffling basically, was I do kind of agree that there's an age group that the film could be lost on. And what made me write this down, which probably lead, lead on to something we'll chat about, but was Jess to me in the film seems really, really young. I thought she was about 15, 14. Even though there's clues throughout, I should have been paying attention. She's getting A-level results. But she seems on the young end. Mm. And it was when she started having relations with her coach that I started to think, hang on, what's going on here? He he's like twenties and she she's really young. The co- yeah, can we just put in now the coach is a pervert. We're we're gonna come. We're gonna have to come <laughs> onto that. <laughs> that needs a deep. This needs to be discussed. That needs a, But yeah, what what I thought was is that when I started to really put together how old she was and she was eighteen, I don't think me or the people I knew and the girls I knew from the age of honestly about thirteen upwards until about twenty twenty one. I think the film would probably be a bit... They'd see it as a bit too immature. I think if I watched it at 14, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't make it through it. I'd be like, oh, I, can't, I can't really be bothered with this. Because I think at 23 now, we probably would watch this film in a different way that we would when we were 15. And that's a criticism for me that I think a lot of kids in London now think they're more mature and wouldn't... I don't know, I think it might be a bit lost on them. Mm. Going back to your point, I think there's always going to be a bit of an issue because Jess needed to be young enough to be still controlled by her parents, but old enough to be able to have a relationship with her football coach. So that's probably why they've put it bang on 18. So there was always going to be some sort of conflict there. And that's why there is this strange gray area. Yeah, what do we, I was actually just when you were speaking then thinking, could the film have done away with the whole subplot of the relationship between Jess and the coach and still been as good a film oh completely for me yeah I, I think I might have just stumbled across my real negative of the film then yeah because I think that um, it does seem it does seem quite kind of 
touched on and it is that thing of like oh we've got a film we need to have a kind of a romance in it we need to have something going on when in actual fact there's no need for this this older coach to suddenly be perving on the girls that he's like working with the relationship with the coach essentially doesn't bring anything doesn't add anything to the film um well, it, it kind of... No, but sorry, I worded that wrongly. It, it, it brings something to the film, but in terms of the main messages that this film is putting across, the relationship doesn't really add much to that. But I suppose there is the kind of inter, interracial kind of relationship there, which... Because he's a gorda. Does, yeah. Because <laughs> he is Irish. <laughs> and there's also the added element of um, the Kira Knightley character and their relationship being on the rocks as well. And inevitably they're they become friends again and they go off to, to college. Hmm. Yeah, you know and what? you might have needed their... Rela- you, you did kind of need their relationship to... It was a great a plot peaks point. And, ...peaks and troughs. So Can we just have a little chat about the character of Kira Knightley? Let's go. Um, because I have some quite strong opinions on this. I found her... And to be honest, I think this is what, this is what shows her real incredible powers as an actor. Um, I found her so frustrating in like in so many ways I found her attitude really kind of I suppose I'd got so on board with Jess and I was seeing the film so through her like through her lens that I was kind of batting for her in every scenario just ended up with most of the film being really annoyed by Kira Knightley um, what did you think of her? But you, and you, ref- you think that reflects strongly on her? Yeah I think that shows the like the power of the film that I was so invested and the power of the real like incredible acting of Keira Knightley that I was so invested that I was then getting frustrated with this fictional character because I was so like believing in what was going on. What yeah. do you reckon? What I, do you had, make of it? I had no idea what you were going to say about Keira Knightley there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not a clue, not a clue. But yeah, no, I'm glad you, you, if anything, you've surprised me. I thought oh. you were going to say she was terrible, but no, I think it's quite easy to have taken aim at her character um, because it's not very, she's not that surprising in the whole thing. And she's, yeah, she kind of clashes in a few ways. But I think even going down to the part that apparently she actually put in loads of effort in like learning how to play football. I could see that, I, I thought that. And yeah, it really showed, like it really, really showed. We'll get on to, in the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about some other films where, um, like golf, for example, where it's very clear that the people that are supposedly playing football have never kicked a ball in their life. And I thought that was another just real plus point for Kieran Knightley was that it, it, I was, I didn't even question the fact that they like, I don't know, this might come across the wrong way, but I didn't question at all the fact that they were playing football, which and I think in a lot of football films, yeah, you really just end up spending half the time thinking you don't know what football is. Yeah, I agree completely. In terms of the Kieran Knightley character, I loved her. I think that she was what I thought about all of the characters is they were pretty believable but I think her she was the most believable she just had that role down of being the confident because obviously there's meant to be the conflict between Jess being controlled by her parents like the traditional Indian values of like a bit more respect for your elders and stuff like that whereas Jules comes from that kind of more oh piss off mum yeah exactly that's school of thought that kind of um traditional like Essexy family which is where she's actually from Kira Knight so again it all comes back down to that authenticity it's all so right but I believed her as the character who'd be like oh come on Jess don't worry about it like you can come play football with me I don't really give a 
yeah. about all of that. So I, I really believed her and I liked her. And can I quick, well, Joe, actually, you did ask the question, so it's a bit rude. What did you think of her? No, I thought I I'm kind of don't have anything to add on to your points, really. I thought she was, yeah, compelling. I got one more character who probably, yeah, the only other character I'd really want to talk about yeah. is um, Jules, Kira Knightley's mum. I think she she was my favourite character in the film by far. Because really? I think she she carried that traditional Essex parent who's maybe moved out of London when things started to change in London. Someone who feels threatened by multiculturalism and maybe not being outright racist or homophobe but she she's too traditional she feels uncomfortable about all of these things and i think the way they navigated her being worried that her daughter's a lesbian being worried that it's it's an it's almost a double whammy that she gets hit with like it's a one two of she's a lesbian and she's with an indian girl and they just play those anxieties out for a child for like a young audience so well through her she i think she's just such a great and when she goes to the wedding at the end and has this outburst about your your daughter's been going off with my daughter i really think they just <laughs> nailed that underlying racist british parent who's uncomfortable with multiculturalism and new ideas i think they killed yeah, it yeah there were a few lines when when she meets jess for the first time there are a couple of things that she says when you're like oh yeah. well nowadays we're like oh yeah she, she says, goes so she, make, she well, makes a lot I, of references of like says. kind of like just like traditional Indian stereotypes basically is probably the best way of putting it but I just want to go back to my favourite quote of the whole film is when the mum has kind of her outburst at the at the wedding and storms in she then starts screaming she's basically screaming to the um, people in the wedding party um, she's like how can you be like this um, your woman your uh, daughter's a lesbian all this da, 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 and you're still celebrating and then one of the older Indian women turns to her and says, she's not from Lebanon, we're from Punjabi. That's <laughs> my favourite. It's hard. It's the hard. other one goes, lesbian? She's not a lesbian, she's a Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's super. And the, the mum on that, yeah, I just think the mum's a great character for all these ideas. And the, one of the first lines she says that you were referencing, Joe, she goes, oh, Jules, it's your Indian friend from football. Also, yeah. We got we got a guest appearance from our man from yeah. Football Factory. I absolutely love that. Yeah, he looked absolutely gorgeous. Say typecast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically the uh, main thug from Football Factory moonlights in this film as a really really lovable dad of Jules, who's like really supportive of her, really eager for her to follow her dream. Although again, it's in the kind of traditional way, which is correct a correct portrayal again of what they're trying to show because he says oh well if she's either playing football instead of chasing boys then I'm going to be happy and it's everything about it's just uh, yeah brilliant they did nail that family yeah thinking about it they absolutely got it spot on yeah spot there was on. one more quote sorry I, I love this family the mum was talking about worrying that her daughter was a lesbian this is Jules Kira Knightley's character and the dad he plays the role of calming her down he goes George Michael is still a superstar and you still listen to Wham. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's brilliant. It crosses every boundary you should think. All right then, so the coach is a pervert, Jess is a Pisces and we all love the film. Let's move on. To that. the soundtrack. Yeah, yes, Joe's special soundtrack. To the soundtrack. Now, I can't really 
say I don't have anything bad to say about this soundtrack. I thought it was bang on. Bang it really soundtrack. transported me back to a time in the noughties. There was quite a lot of euphoric, uplifting, poppy, kind of uplifting music. music, but at the same time, they had some a lot of. I'm sorry, my my Indian music vocabulary does not stretch very far, but a very Indian sounding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the song that goes? Because you make me feel. Oh, that just transported me back again. Because that used to be the song that they had. I can't remember what football highlights show, but that was on a football highlights show of like the early noughties, and that again, that was the perfect song to pick for yeah, like, the football. Yeah, yeah. It was very, it was very not noughties and nineties. Yeah, and really varied. They picked exactly the right songs for exactly the right moments. And it really just shows the power of a soundtrack. What seemingly can be such a simple task on the surface makes such a difference. Makes such a difference. Mm. And you can show that again, they've done their homework just perfectly on the soundtracks. There was not a beat out of place when it could be so easy to just lob in the wrong thing, not really think about it, not really think about like, the impact. And it was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, as I said, like it had John Motson on at the start and it just, and Alan Hansen as well and as a young football fan as a fan of football and someone who played a lot of football when I was younger just football mad that got me on side straight away and then talking about the soundtrack there's a montage scene where Jules takes Jess out to go and buy football boots and I don't know if any of anyone's had this trip before but when I used to play football going up to soccer scene oh, in around Carnaby, Carnaby Street. Street with my dad was just a like one of my favourite experiences. You had Lily White's and soccer scene, and we go on trying boots all day. And she ended up getting the Predators, the David Beckham Predators with the tongue that folds over. We, I got a pair of them probably in soccer scene. <laughs> and that scene, um, I, what yeah. can I say about just it? Just an honourable mention for Predators, because once again, two weeks in a row, they've been the star of the show. It's just... What that uh, the Predator boot sums up that early noughties. Everything yeah, about the really world does. then is summed up by the Predator boot. Those studs which were about two inches long. Yeah. <laughs> the blades as well, when they brought the blades, in the blades. The blades. Oh, oh, just crazy. Um yeah, so I think personally I'm gonna smack this one out of the park and give it a full house, ten out of ten. Wow. Yeah. Um so Joe, you were a little bit more negative, I feel, but what are you giving it? I was and I've gotta say the conversations had on this show have really changed my well they have changed my opinion or they've really emphasized what i thought and i'll probably give it an eight and a half mm. this is actually half. probably a good time to say that if like joe the citizens of thamesmead have had their minds ch uh, changed on the show then please do email in to footyflix442 at gmail.com and we're going to be eager to reading out your emails next week um but that was a little plug carlos what did you make I mean, I loved it. Um, I'm going to give it my highest rating so far, which is an 8 out of 10. Just because I'm scared that if I watch a film better, yeah. then I'm going to have to give it an 11. Yeah. So I'm going to be conservative and, and give it an allowed. 8. <laughs> exactly, it don't fit the rules, Joe. Messi can only be a 94 on FIFA. Exactly. Um, okay, right then. Let's. We've had a really lovely, enjoyable start to the show. We're going to now talk about Shaolin Soccer. Actually, you know what? I wanted to touch on something really briefly. I've got a little talking point of the the wider world and football. Have either of you seen Jermaine Pennant on the Jeremy Carl oh, show? Man. Yes. Can we just... He was playing Champions League football 10 years ago. 
This is the biggest L anyone I've ever known in the history of the world has ever had to take. You know what? I saw him... This is the biggest L. This is the capital L. But I saw a lowercase L when he played against Dulwich Hamlet last year for Jamie O'Hara's team. Oh, um... Billa Ricky. I saw him pop up there and he wasn't even good. I, I think I could have done a better job on him on the wing. <laughs> this is before but, the shoulder went. Yeah, before the shoulder. Right, and that dampening the tone seems apt for us to now go and talk about Shaolin Soccer. I got started with the reviews last time, so I'll give someone else the bass on now. Who wants to get started? You know what, I'm going to grab it because I'm sensing that I'm going to disagree with both of you probably. But... This is so cheesy of me, but I think that Shaolin Soccer was a film of two halves. <laughs> because... That's inexcusable. <laughs> for the first hour, I was absolutely blown away. I I mean, my disclaimer is I don't really watch uh, Kung Fu, classic Chinese Kung Fu movies. And I've got to say that we all watched the 2001 Hong Kong original cut of the film because it was remade in 2004 with American dubbing and scenes were cut out. So that's the Shaolin soccer that a lot of us would have seen when we were younger. But we, we all think, watched we the... the authentic stuff. But as a film of two halves, the first hour was just this crazy, wacky, philosophical, beautifully shot, just hilarious film of this guy. And it was touching all of these issues that I thought must have been important in China at the time. The idea of like the classic um, historical culture of Kung Fu and Shaolin and like the respectful way of life being overtaken by just mega capitalism and materialism. And you've got this guy with absolutely no money wandering around Hong Kong in these battered shoes. And he's a master of the iron, he's a master of the iron leg or steel leg <laughs> technique. And he's, he's desperate to bring Kung Fu back and, and stop just like the erosion of Chinese culture. And for yeah, for the first hour when he's 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 basically you're following him around the city as he's n- like navigating all of these ideas, and I just think it was slapstick, but on point. It was it was silly when it needed to be silly. It was actually pretty philosophical at times, and I I just loved it. And also, out of, of all the films we've watched so far, this was the one that was the most stylish to look at. I think if you'd have pressed pause in that first hour, you'd have just got some great like things that like work as posters backgrounds I just thought it was beautifully shot cinematography was on point but then I'm talking a lot but that's the point of the show as soon as the football started I just wanted to rip my hair out <laughs> that's <laughs> when it lost me God, you said that. I just couldn't it went from this film it just didn't need football again yeah. it was it would have been a great film talking about culture in China being taken over by new capitalism and, and like American Western style living and they've gone away from their roots. And if they'd have just focused on that without the most ridiculous Kung Fu football, I would have loved it. But the whole last 45 minutes, I just I was just desperate to stop. Yeah, they're trying your to woman. appeal to a market though. I think the, the football was the purpose of the film they're obviously trying to spread this message about a game that's so popular in other parts of the world and you can't really do without the football it's such a shame uh but yeah it got completely ridiculous and it's a it's a real shame that the whole second half of the film was so outrageous and so repetitive you knew exactly what was going to happen because it kind of makes you forget about the deep messages that they were trying to put across in the first half of the film 
And what were they? What would you say are the deepest messages of that? Because I'm, I was, I was actually. You know what? I'll leave my opinions for a minute. But what? Yeah. What do you think was? So the it's about messages? it's about the importance of tradition and not forgetting tradition, um, and it becoming kind of washed out by modern modern culture and modern life. But also about ensuring that what you do in your life is revolved around what your interests are. And I think what happens in the end when they form that Kung Fu school or whatever, that nicely kind of brings it back. All right. Um, yeah, I uh, I agree partially in that I think that the message of the importance of tradition and the importance of respect for uh, the people that have been a strong, strong part of the tradition is good and it is right to have that in a film and it is good. It's all good. But this... I think we've gone fundamentally wrong in this isn't a football film and this isn't about football and I went into it watch, thinking because this was the first time I'd ever seen it and I hadn't seen the English version hadn't seen any of it I'd literally only heard of Shaolin Soccer as a thing but not seen it and so I went into it thinking well I went into it after having watched Bend It Like Beckham thinking oh this is going to be another film about football but in actual fact it has football is like the weird kind of supernatural element that they've flagged onto it and I don't think that I just yeah I thought it was so beyond belief and ridiculous to watch for the last hour of it that I just I really couldn't be bothered I, it was the closest I've come to just shutting the laptop and not watching it anymore but having said that I think that's my wrong pretense I think that I thought the film was going to be something else and when it wasn't that I switched off if I'd watched the film as a film on its own not to do with football no you know what I still would have thought it was rubbish well, <laughs> I so really hate to say in, it in case you haven't seen the film this the way they capture football is not what you'd expect it defies all rules the players can boot the ball in the air to the point you can't see it anymore the ball turns on fire they're doing these kind of like kung fu moves and then the, I don't know it is a kung fu film it it's is not a, a football film. it's a kung fu film using football but I think what you said in your review Joe was it was relevant because what what the film's doing is he the main character Sing he's trying to find a way that he can bring kung fu and tradition back into modern day Hong Kong society and he goes through the whole time trying to there's a hilarious scene where he thinks that singing might be the way that music might be a way to bring it back in and he's trying to find all of these ways that he can bring the tradition back and then he realises he can use his iron leg technique as football as a footballer and football can be the way he can make kung fu popular so that's why they've gone for it but as a football film it is irrelevant and the only other thing I would say is that none of us I take it are Kung Fu film fans so this is probably some of our first ever interactions with Kung Fu films and your dad Kate your dad who works and you I know you can talk about what your dad does in China yeah so just very quickly my dad is a textile dealer and trader um, but he deals in textiles from a very specific region in southwest China so he knows the culture extremely well but he he said something really interesting about Shaolin Soccer he walked in saw at the end that it was these crazy kung fu football scenes and he started laughing and he said oh these films you've got to watch these films in 10 minute bursts and then we talked to him a bit more about it and he said oh yeah that's just a classic style of kung fu film it deals with quite 
important issues and starts out as being an exploration of them and then people want to see the action so it just gets super slapstick super comical and over the top and that's just their style of cinema i thought for some reason i took away from this film more than the hooliganism films last week that this is just a film about fighting and i didn't even think that as well as like the overarching message of even green street which was awful but this, I just thought it was just any excuse to like punch someone and slap someone and smack someone over the head they took, which didn't, I think it completely detracted from the entire point of like respecting tradition. It made the tradition seem a bit of a joke, um, which obviously this is the, I'm a very untrained eye in Kung Fu films. And I imagine this is what most Kung Fu films will obviously be fairly slapstick in nature. But I thought that it was, well, putting it kindly, I thought it wasn't, it wasn't, aimed at me and it wasn't for me and I didn't I yeah. just didn't really like it that's the thing that's like none of us are kung fu film fans but for us to say the fighting made it a bit too silly like we got to remember that fighting and martial arts combat is at the heart of kung fu mm. so without the fighting it's not a kung fu film it's not a football film so we basically just want them to make a film that's got nothing to do with yeah. their aims yeah that's fair mm. I think that because I also have a very untrained eye in kung fu films, but I'm all, I am open to watching them. I've watched a few, but not many, yeah. and not for several years. I found it very refreshing to see something that was so outrageous from the very beginning to the very end, and I think that would have largely contributed to my positive review of it. One thing I wanted to pick up on, because um, we all kind of spoke about the relationship between Jess and her football coach as being something that turned us off, burned it like Beckham a little bit, a negative point. And in this, it made me realise that I'm watching a film that's from a culture so far from what I'm used to, that it is just a very different format and idea behind film because he's the main character has a love interest and you think because of what we're used to in Western films like Bend It Like Beckham, there's going to be a resolution when they get together and they're in love. And there's a point where she... It's a natural point for them to fall in love. And she says uh, that she asks him if he loves her. And he just looks at her and says, no, I'm not in love. We're friends. And it's just not in that kind of Western romanticised way. It's just such a different culture. That I just found it really interesting. Like, not interesting, but enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I suppose... The one positive I'd say is, in terms of an introduction to a new genre, it would be a good film to get started off with because obviously it's somewhat aimed at kind of a Western viewpoint. It is loosely about football, so it's quite a nice introduction into films from that region of the world and Kung Fu films. So in fairness to it, that's probably what I'd say is the best aspect of it, is that it can introduce you to more. And kind to kind of add on to that, if there wasn't the football aspect, we probably wouldn't have seen this film. Mm. True. It's reaching out to a market that these kind of films probably hadn't reached out to before. We say that it could have done without the football, but that's the only reason. And like, even that I've known about, I've known the like phrase Shaolin Soccer since I was probably like five years old. Yeah. So to be fair, they've nailed it in what they're trying to do. But I, I mean, don't want to like judge a film on its its potential to like break into a new market. Yeah. To be honest, we do have to think, because again, we've all kind of come to a resolution that, oh yeah, it wasn't too bad, but... Oh no, I still think it was awful. <laughs> yeah, that's good, good to hear. Being a procrastinator, I ended up watching this film not long before we came on air, and it felt like a bit more of a chore, 
And for that reason, that whole last 45 minutes was so dreadful. So I've been really positive about this film, but Lewis, I do essentially agree. Like, I did want to turn it off. Thank you. But it made me think of something that's not directly about football films. But just a quick question. How much do you think your mood and your setting and everything like that affects your opinion on the film? Because when I watched Bend It Like Beckham, it was the perfect moment. It, everything just aligned properly. I, I watched it at a great time. So how much do you think your mood affects your view of a film? Um, I think that's a great question. And I think that if a film is truly great, it will supersede that. But obviously it's naive to say that there aren't factors that can get involved. Um, and I think that for a bang average film, it's very important to be in the right surroundings. But for a great film, I have a kind of romanticised view that if it's just like on in the corner of your eye and like a supermarket or something you'll still get captured to it and you still want to know what's going on but that may not be the case but i know that for this i could have been what i could have been sat in a theater in downtown hong kong and i still would have thought this is mental mm. however i feel that some of the best films that i've ever seen i have had to be in a certain mood for it for example slumdog millionaire i remember watching it and thinking what a great film but I don't know if I could do that again. Yeah. However, I remember it to be kind of one of the best films that I have seen at the time. So, what are we going to do about reviews and about ratings? Um, I just to let you lot, just let the, the people of Thamesmead know, uh, we've got a little leadership board going on. Um, so our scores that we've collated so far on the films are going to be added up to see who's got the most positive about their films, who's most negative about their films, and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be a running thing. So obviously last week I gave some one low, one very high, and I'm afraid this week I'm going to be the same boring old bloke and do that exactly exactly the same thing again. I gave Bend It Like Beckham a 10, um, which may be a bit low the top, but I'm going to give Shaolin Soccer a 2. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fundamentally didn't enjoy watching the film below Green Street yeah I'd rather if someone said right now you've got to re-watch one I'd re-watch Green Street over that you know what I do hear it because it's it's a at the end of the day it's a genre of film that you just didn't click with yeah yeah thank you <laughs> alright alright then Joe you yeah you liked this one quite a bit I liked it I definitely agree with Carlos in terms of the two halves of the film being completely contrasting in their success and I think if it was just based on the first half I probably would have given it an eight and a half or even a nine but because of the aforementioned reasons I think I'd give it a seven and a half now. All right then um so do we have any little quote sorry Carlos you're looking at me six <laughs> and what would you give it Carlos? Yeah I'd give it a six all right. Um, okay, yeah, I see I'm a little bit of an outlier in the room, but I think it's going to have to come back to a film that I'd happily watch again, and I would not. Uh, so have we got any funny quotes or nice little rounding-off moments from Shaolin Sucker? Yeah, I have one, actually. When Singh first meets the coach and tries to convince him of the benefits of Kung Fu, he responds by saying, I don't need Kung Fu, I'm more of an intellectual. It then cuts to three different people, each of whom happened to be experiencing some sort of misfortune at that moment in time, to which Singh claims that their knowledge of Kung Fu would have prevented. And one of these three people happens to be this fancily dressed woman who slips on a banana skin. 
then in the last scene it goes full circle as we're showing the same people encountering the same obstacles as before but this time they use kung fu to evade them and what i like about this aspect of the film i think it really epitomizes its ability to be ridiculous and slapstick at the same time as being meaningful with the girl who slips over that's basically the film in a nutshell because she's this like overly makeup western modern clothes like all about sex appeal um and she's kind of walking down the road a bit like a barbie like really over exaggerated style and she slips on the banana skin and the point is she's come so far away from traditional chinese culture that she's ended up flat on her face um okay then so we've one more funny given a uh, little rundown but carlos has got one more funny quote that he wants to give um yeah i just love the brutality of the film like how violent and slapstick it was and one of my favorite quotes was when the main character's love interest comes and helps them play in the football tournament and she shaved her head to pass for a man and i don't know if it was my translation or the subtitles but he just takes one look at her and goes what have you done you look like et she's like i'm I'm gonna play in the game he says no you're not he goes, you shouldn't be playing football looking like that. You should go and phone home. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I, that, I quite like that as well. All right, so we start, we kicked off Footy Flicks today by talking about uh, the genre of global films and the beautiful game and the way that it's been globalised, the way that it's been sold around the world. So let's have a nice little full circle and I know what we do about the game today. Um, obviously quite a long time since these films come out. Do you think that they've achieved their aim if we're taking one of their aims as being spreading football to those parts of the world? Well, definitely with China, um, we've seen massive investment in their game. India's still far behind. In England, definitely. Cricket is more of a, is seen as more of an Indian game and we still haven't had many Indian players coming through academies of the big teams. And in uh, fact, India have still never made it to the World Cup. We can see India's attempts to globalise the game of cricket by paying the world's best Western players to play in the Indian Premier League. However, football just isn't there yet. But I, I do think it is going to be a matter of time before, before football takes before off. football does take off, it's, it, surely. Mm. It seems to only be going on an upward trajectory. But also, as has been highlighted by China, maybe this needs to be a top-down effort as well. It needs, you need people in high-up places to be pushing the football agenda. Mm. and to be honest if I could end with anything I could end with saying I hope that that isn't the case because I love the idea that parts of the world have their strong traditions and that kind of the western domination doesn't doesn't take over Um, okay then I think that we have given a nice little overview of both the films we've let the the, the listeners of Radio Thamesley know what we think about them Um, and I would like to say it's been a pleasure to have you here with me today boys and we shall speak to you again soon. Footy Flicks is presented by Lewis Fradstone Stubbs, Carlos Kassman, and me, Joe Conlan. I also produced and edited the show.